0: Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls with me, Dr. Plenty. Today, we're gonna talk about if you're ready to have a baby. So how do you know, right? Most people think having children, especially if you're married or in a serious relationship, is just a natural thing to do. So you get married, you have two kids with a white picket fence, that's just what you're supposed to do. However, have you really explored what it takes and what it means to have a child, both psychologically and mentally? Today, financially, the cost of raising a child until age 17 years old is approximately $245,460. That approximates to an extra $15,000 a year. Even if you're a low-income family, you're still spending roughly $180,000 extra to raise a child to 17 years old. Most women take off four hours a month until they're 34 weeks pregnant and then take uh, that time increases to about four hours a week after the 34th week. For maternity leave, you have if you have a vaginal delivery, you'll need at least six weeks off work. And if you have a C-section, you need six to eight weeks off work. So that's time lost at work. Um, That can be time that. You would need to get a promotion. Um, You can be passed up by your male counterparts who are actually there versus you not being there. And so there's a lot to consider when it comes to, are you ready to have your first child or your second or your third? Despite the finances and the time commitment, the most important thing about being ready is your health and your sanity. So we're going to focus on cases that allow us to know whether we're ready to have a child let's talk about our first case
2: that was written into uh, the podcast today our first case is a 21 year old woman who presents for preconception for a preconception consult she has type 1 diabetes her hemoglobin a1c is 8.2 percent but she reports that her finger sticks are more controlled she walks for exercise three times a day She has a family history of high blood pressure and breast cancer due to the BRCA1 gene. So she would like to get pregnant now to avoid future health problems.
0: A couple of things. So is this person ready to be pregnant? That's what I always think of when somebody comes in my office For preconception counseling and um, first, not even the financial things that we've talked about um, or the, you know, mental or maturity level you need to have to have a child, but let's think about it from a health standpoint. So first she has type one diabetes. And so there's a couple of different types of diabetes when we talk about pregnancy. So there's pre-existing, which means you have type one or type two diabetes. For type one diabetic, you're not making your own insulin. So your pancreas just isn't functioning the way it needs to. So you have to give yourself insulin injections. For type two diabetes, you're making insulin, but now your cells have become desensitized to your own insulin. So you need more insulin to allow your cells to uptake glucose so you can get energy. Uh, and then you have gestational diabetes which is only in pregnancy so you did not have diabetes before pregnancy. Only in the pregnancy that's diagnosed around 24 to 28 weeks of the pregnancy. And then there's several categories of um a pre existing type one and type two that we won't get into today. But you can go and listen to my previous episode on diabetes or see my YouTube video on it. So for her, she has type one diabetes. Her hemoglobin A1C is 8.2%. That is not at the goal that it needs to be. For somebody that's type one, we need it to be less than 7%. The goal would be 6%. And even though she reports that her finger sticks are more controlled than her hemoglobin A1C says it is, we have to go by the hemoglobin A1C because that tells us what is the average number her glucose is circulating through her body over a three-month time. And if that average is over 7%, that's not well-controlled, okay? Um, at 8%, we start seeing an increased risk of birth defects in the baby. The most common would be a heart defect, um, then a spinal cord defect, and a brain defect. And it, you know, I, this would be medical malpractice if I told her that she was ready to have a child with a hemoglobin A1C of 8.2%. So the good thing about this patient is she's young, right? She's young. She has time um, to get her diabetes under control. Even if she were 31 or 41, I would still not tell her that she should have a baby with a hemoglobin A1C of 8.2%. She needs to get that down to 7% because I don't want her to have a baby that I later diagnose with a heart defect or a birth defect. Um, That's a real thing. And it only takes three to six months to get your diabetes more controlled. So if she's aggressive, she can get her A1C down to below 7% um, and at the goal of six and be ready. Um, The fact that she walks for exercise three days a week is great. I would increase that to four days a week. But the fact that she does any exercise at all is is always a positive. Um, She has a family history of high blood pressure. So she could be at risk for getting high blood pressure later on. But right now she doesn't have it. And she has a family history of the BRCA1 gene. So I know that this is probably alarming for her because she wants to probably get a mastectomy, but she needs to wait until hemoglobin A1C is under control. That is the most important thing with this case is her diabetic control. I cannot stress anymore that the diabetes has to be controlled before you have a baby. You don't want a baby with a birth defect. You don't want to have to have a preterm delivery because you're diabetic. You don't want to be somebody that goes into a diabetic coma because we can't control you. So that has to be con- under control. For our listeners, um, there's a BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes. Those are two types type of gene mutations that predispose people to certain types of cancers. So... Both of the BRCA genes can put you at an increased risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer. Um, some BRCA genes also put you at increased risk for colon cancer. And so people that have a BRCA 1 mutation are extremely high risk. I mean, they have almost a 50% risk of getting breast cancer before the age of 50. Um, and if you live long enough, if you have BRCA 1 gene, you probably will get breast cancer. And so the way it's treated is we very early on, will start screening with breast ultrasounds in somebody that's this young um, at 21, um, plus or minus a breast MRI. Um, and then once she became older, she would get m- uh, mammograms and breast MRIs to screen for early diagnosis of breast cancer and a treatment. And most people before, um, after they are done with their childbearing, um, can elect to get bilateral mastectomies, meaning they can get their breast tissue removed and then get breast implants to further reduce their risk of getting breast cancer. Men that have BRCA mutations can get breast cancer. I mean, it is a serious diagnosis. So I agree that if she wants to have children, she should have them at an earlier age, but 21 is really early. Um, so I still think she can get her. Diabetes under better control first before um, trying to get pregnant. And then once you're done having as many children as you want, um, then if you're thinking about getting um uh bilateral mastectomies or um getting your ovaries removed, um you can do that to help further prevent risk. Um I definitely think after you finish having children, you should undergo further counseling before you make that decision. Um, on the timing of when you're going to get those those uh, preventative procedures done. For me, the case pearl is wait until your diabetes is under control and you want your hemoglobin A1C to be at 6%. Acceptable will be below 7% to reduce your risk of complications in the pregnancy. And for this patient in particular, you should also... Get further genetic counseling um, and talk to a breast surgeon about when is the optimal time for you to get preventative services um, to reduce your risk of breast and ovarian cancer later on in life.
2: Our second case? Our second case is a 45 year old woman who has been trying to get pregnant for three years with her husband. She has a history of cervical cancer, but has been cancer-free for three years. She weighs 130 pounds and is five foot three inches tall. She has high blood pressure for which she's taking labetalol, 100 milligrams twice a day to maintain control. Is she ready to get pregnant? If so, what steps can she take to get pregnant?
0: Okay, so I would definitely say this patient looking at the case is ready to get pregnant just off of her medical history. Um, She has some risk factors that she has to keep in mind, but none of these things should prevent her from trying to have a baby either naturally or through IVF or any other assisted reproductive technology techniques. She's 45. So the chances of her getting pregnant are lower because the older you are um, as a woman, Um, the harder it is to get pregnant because you don't have as much ovarian reserve. So um, I would not wait any further if I were her to try to get pregnant. And if she's been trying to get pregnant for this long, then she really should be seeing a reproductive endocrinologist to help her get pregnant, whether that's um, help her naturally get pregnant or doing intrauterine insemination, which is where sperm is inserted. Basically tested and then inserted, or uh, whether that's in vitro fertilization, where an egg is retrieved from her, sperm is retrieved from her husband, and then um, that egg and sperm are fertilized outside of the body and then implanted into the uterus. Um, The other thing is, if she's been trying for a while and she's forty-five years old, um, if she has a normal fertility workup, then she may need a donor egg to get pregnant, and. If you have a donor egg, you can choose to carry the pregnancy on your own or you can choose to have a surrogate. Pros of a surrogate would be, one, you've had cervical cancer already. So if you've had uh, what's called a trachelectomy, which is when the cervix has been surgically removed for treatment, and that's commonly done if somebody has cervical cancer that's not advanced stage. If they still wanna have children, um, they would have a trachelectomy. And then you would have to have was called a cerclage during the pregnancy. Some doctors do a trachelectomy or a cerclage surgery, like a permanent circlage abdominally at the time of a trachelectomy. So if you've had that done, just know that you have to have a C-section for delivery because they can't remove that cerclage. Um, that would be considered a, a, an abdominal cerclage would, would be permanent. You can get abdominal circlage removed when you're done having children, but um since you've had a trachelectomy and you, you need a cerclage, if you haven't had an abdominal cerclage, you can get a vaginal approach, which can be removed to allow you to deliver vaginally. But most people with the trachelectomy have had an abdominal surclage, so you would need a C-section if you've had that. Um, the pro of getting a surrogate is you wouldn't have to worry about that, right? You can have somebody else that has a healthy cervix and uterus carry your, you know, baby, whether that's with your eggs or with a donor egg. Um, it is costly to have a surrogate. Surrogates um, with IVF plus a surrogate would run you somewhere around $80,000. So it is something to consider um, having a surrogate versus having a baby naturally. If you went through IVF yourself, it would cost you somewhere around twenty dollars to $30,000. So they are costly procedures, but if you want a child those are options and that may, be, that may be worthwhile. Since you're 45, I still think you should see reproductive endocrinologists. And I will have one on the show in January to talk about uh, ways to get pregnant, but you need to see one so they can talk to you about whether you need to go the IVF route or whether you should still be trying naturally. Um, and since you've been trying for three years, we need to make sure there's nothing else going on with you. Okay, people that uh, may have trouble getting pregnant may have um, issues with their thyroid. So if you have a high or low thyroid function and it's not well-controlled, that can affect ovulation. So you wanna make sure that's well-controlled. You would need your hormone levels tested. Um, Is your your luteal hormone and your follicle-stimulating hormone, those are your FSH and LH, those need to be tested to tell if you have premature ovarian failure. Are you ovulating every month? Meaning, Are you having normal cycles every single month? If you're not ovulating, if you're not having normal cycles monthly, you're probably not ovulating. If you're not ovulating, you're not going to get pregnant. Do you have a normal follicle count? Um, That would be something your OBGYN can do or your reproductive endocrinologist can do. If you have a low um, follicle count or antral follicle count, then you may not be able to get pregnant. I would also want to know if you have any other medical problems versus what you've already listed. So you're 130 pounds and you're five foot, three inches tall. That equates to a BMI of roughly 23, which is excellent. So you're not overweight. You have a history of high blood pressure, but it's well controlled. So that's not preventing you from getting pregnant. You're taking labetalol, which is first line in pregnancy, So that's not something that we would need to stop in pregnancy. And it's also not something that would cause her to have any increased risk of a baby with birth defects. So that's actually good. But if you have any other medical problems, you know, like, are you still getting treatment for any residual cancer? I assume if you had a trachelectomy and you're cancer free, then with with cervical cancer, you wouldn't need any residual um, treatment. You wouldn't need any residual chemotherapy or radiation therapy after those procedures. So I would still wanna look for uh, other underlying health problems that could prevent you from getting pregnant. But I think that's the importance of seeing a reproductive endocrinologist that could go through all of those things to rule out anything like premature ovarian failure or thyroid issues or issues with your ovulatory cycle to determine if you can naturally proceed with pregnancy or if you need a little bit of help and there's nothing wrong with getting a little bit of help, but know that that little bit of help can be a little bit costly. Also, if the cost um, is a big thing or you feel like, hey, I don't wanna go the IVF route if I can't naturally get pregnant. There are also, you know, adoption is also an option. There are a lot of kids that need parents. I have been told that adoption can be costly, but um, not as costly as a surrogate. But it is a, a costly option as well. But it is a, an, a non-medical option if you don't want to go the medical route of having a child. So I do think that you're ready to have a, a baby. Um, mentally, I hope that you're ready to have a baby. I haven't heard anything in your history that would make me think you're mentally not mature enough to have a child or that you have any psychological issues. But time is a factor here, especially because you... Um, have been trying for a couple years. If you're over age 35 and you've been trying for six months at that point, you need to see a reproductive endocrinologist um, because you need help and you need some type of stimulation to get you pregnant and make sure you're not obviously make sure you're ovulating monthly. If you're under age 35, then you can try for a whole year before you would need to see another specialist that specialist would likely send you to somebody like me who does maternal fetal medicine to go through all of your medical history to make sure that it's safe before they get you pregnant. But you skipped over and come straight to me. So I think that the medical issues are safe to get you pregnant, but now you need to go to a reproductive endocrinologist that can actually assist you and help you safely get pregnant. So the case pearl for this is, Yes. When it's safe for you to get pregnant, you should go hard or go home. So it's time for you to seek extra care. And you've been trying for three years now. Go see a reproductive endocrinologist, because if you want a baby, there are ways to have a baby. Are there any other cases that were emailed?
2: Yes. This case says Dr. Plenty i married thinking that I didn't want to have children. My husband didn't mind it at the time when we got married. However, I think that I have changed my mind. I'm 31 years old and have a history of scoliosis from a car accident. I have a rod in my back as well, but I have regular monthly cycles. I'm a little overweight. For reference, I'm five foot one and weigh 152 pounds. I also have a history of depression for which I take Celexa. Besides that, I don't have any other medical problems. How safe is it for me to get pregnant with my medical history? And how do I approach this subject of pregnancy with my husband?
0: Okay, so um, a lot was said there. (laughs) So I think the biggest thing for me is that your relationship with your husband. But we'll talk about that second. So the first thing is you have scoliosis from a car accident. You have Harrington rods. Those are rods that are placed when you break your uh, back or some people get them for corrective surgery if they have severe scoliosis. So they're just rods that keep the back straight. Um, And sometimes they can preclude you from getting regional anesthesia because of those rods in place and there'd be a lot of scarring around that area. And so I would definitely think you need an anesthesiology consult. And it just depends on where the rods are, right? So if the rods are in the upper back and they're not in the lower portion of the back, then it should be fine because they're putting either a spinal or an epidural in L3 through L5 spinal spaces, okay, give or take. Um, And so if you're not, if your lumbar spine isn't affected, then the Harrington rods won't really matter. But if they're in that area, they can still sometimes do uh, regional anesthesia, but they may need to do that um, with special guidance. So they would need that before you actually deliver. For the most part, that would be the only risk of scoliosis and Harrington rods during the pregnancy unless you have issues with mobility. And if you have issues with mobility or bladder control because of damage to those nerves, then we may need to put you on you know, blood thinners like a lovinox injection to prevent you from getting blood clots in your legs, especially if you can't walk or you would need to be on antibiotics um, to prevent you from having uh, recurrent urinary tract infections because in pregnancy a small UTI can cause a big kidney problem and so you don't want a kidney infection because kidney infections in pregnancy can then cause you to have a lung infection um, which you know pregnancy is a whole different ballgame. so if you have um, you know uh, incontinent bladder or you um, issues with recurrent UTIs or you are self-catheterization, then you need to be on antibiotics to prevent you from getting a UTI in the pregnancy. You did not mention that. So I'm going to assume that you had a minor car accident with Harrington rods and you're very mobile. And so if that's the case, then those risks that I just talked about are the only issues that you would have in the pregnancy. And that's just a matter of making sure you can get adequate regional anesthesia, meaning epidural or a spinal at the time of delivery. Um, you have a history of depression and you take selexa. So there are two train of thoughts on this. One is take people off of their antidepressants because there's a tiny little increased risk of having a baby with either cleft lip or palate. Um, and then there's some confounding studies that also have shown in the past an increased risk of a heart defect. But when we look at that risk uh, compared to the general population, it was the same as the general population. And so for me, that means that you're not at an increased risk. We know going through the pregnancy, if you're on an antidepressant, um, there's some that can cause issues and some that can't. Celexa is a very low risk antidepressant in that it's in the class of a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. If you had depression, that would be first line. That's what we would start you on in the pregnancy. So I would weigh the risk and the benefits of stopping that medicine uh, once you got pregnant versus continuing it. And for most of my patients, especially if you're already past the first trimester, I would continue it because you're out of that area where it, where it would cause birth defects. But even still, you have to mentally be in a good place during your pregnancy. I don't want anybody being depressed or having suicidal ideation, meaning suicidal thoughts in their pregnancy. And if I withdraw that medicine, that can put you at risk for that. So I would continue Selexa, if I were your doctor throughout the pregnancy, um, as long as you were, Uh, asymptomatic on it, meaning it was working. If it's not working, then obviously we may need to increase the dose or adjust you or put you on some other medicine. Obviously you would need to talk to your psychiatrist and your OBGYN about these, your medication selection a little bit further um, before you get pregnant. Um, Besides that, you don't have any other medical problems. You're regular, you're having monthly cycles. So you're 31 you wouldn't need to seek any further expertise before trying to get pregnant. If you had difficulty getting pregnant, then you know obviously you would need a consultation with uh, a reproductive endocrinologist or your OBGYN to figure out why you couldn't get pregnant. But in terms of are you ready to get pregnant from a health standpoint, you seem ready to get pregnant. Um, you have Harrington rods in place, but I would not, I would not consider that a contraindication of pregnancy. Um, you're on Celexa, but that is not a contraindication of pregnancy as long as you're stable. You're mildly overweight. Um, so 5'1 and 152 pounds puts you at a BMI of 28. That is not obese. That's overweight. We know that people that are in the obese category do have an increased risk of birth defects, um, but you're not obese. You're overweight. Um, if you had trouble getting pregnant, I would encourage you to lose 10 pounds to help with your ovulation. But you have regular monthly cycles, so I don't think that that should be something that would prevent you from going ahead and getting pregnant. The thing that would prevent you is your husband, right? You married him, told him you didn't want children for whatever reason. He didn't mind this, so I don't know if he also didn't want, preg- uh, want um, kids or if he was just okay with the thought of not having children. So I would definitely think that you need to talk to your husband because medically you're controlled. So I would talk to um, talk to your husband about how he feels about children. If he's not open to that, then the next step for me, if I were your provider before I'm like, hey, yeah, go ahead and get pregnant. I would send you to um, therapy, I would send you to counseling so that you guys could talk through the barriers of getting pregnant and what that looks like to get pregnant because mentally you both have to accept having a child. If one of you wants a child and the other person doesn't want a child, then your marriage is gonna fall apart and then you're gonna be a single parent. Um, Being a single parent is a whole different ball game. Um, I talked about initially outline the financial implications, but let's talk about like mentally what it means to be a mom, okay? You're gonna be at a point where you have to sacrifice for your child. You may wanna go out of town. You can't go out of town because you need a sitter and you have to have a sitter that you trust. Somebody that's not gonna abuse your child. Somebody that's not going to molest your child. Somebody that's not going to talk down to your child. Somebody that can make sure your child is safe at all times. And so as a mom, tonight with a toddler right now, that's a lot because you wanna make sure you're putting your child in a safe environment and you also wanna make sure you're giving the child the attention that they need. Children need attention, they need focus. Um, if you're not at a place where financially you haven't reached your goals or in your career you haven't reached your goals, realize that you're gonna have to sacrifice even more in your career for this child. And that may be investing financially in a nanny that can help provide some more attention to this child while you're trying to achieve your goals, trying to reach your financial goals, or that may be sacrificing and pulling back to being part-time at work um, or not getting as much sleep because you're trying to balance it all. So you have to be, be able to sacrifice for that child And you may not suffer at work. You may be able to excel at work, but you may not get enough, uh, as much sleep at night because you're spending time during the day with your child to be able to fulfill the things you need in school or work at night after your child is asleep. Psychologically, you have to be able to put up with the temper tantrums of your toddler, put up with breastfeeding every couple of hours with a newborn, um, making sure you're able to adjust to the lack of sleep. And yes, your husband is a big factor in that, in that he's balancing um, his time, your time and the child's time. But when it comes to parenting and being a mom, it is more so on you. You are the person producing the milk. Um, you are the person that was gonna have that nurturing impact on that child. And as a mother, you're not gonna be able to neglect that child, especially in those early those early stages. Those first five years are crucial to your child's development. So mentally you need to be there. And if your husband is not mentally also there, then maybe you should wait until both of you guys are on board and both of you are mentally ready and financially ready to move forward. But if you talk to your husband and you talk to him and he's like, oh yeah, I just didn't wanna have a child because you didn't want one. Then yes, from a medical standpoint, you are ready to have a child. You just need to make sure that you are having, um, you know, a consultation with anesthesia to make sure they understand that you have these rods in place and um, then you will move forward. So the case pearl for this particular email case uh, would be make sure that you and your mate are mentally ready and prepared. Both of you guys to, for a healthy marriage um, have to be on board to have a child before you have a child in, a, in order for your marriage to stay strong. So that concludes all of our cases for today. Thanks so much for listening to the Pregnancy Pearls podcast. Do me a favor, share this episode with a friend who might be considering pregnancy or who may be wanting to have another child. And as as always, if you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Also, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate. And no one knows what's going on with your body except you. Thank you for listening.
1: questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production.
0: Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
1: You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability